Greetings, Warriors. Welcome to another episode of Chevrons, a podcast for the enlisted force. I'm Tim Sandlin from the 102nd Intelligence Wing Public Affairs Office. Today's topic is emotional intelligence. And to tell us all about EI and EQ is our resident expert and all-around great airman, Chaplain Lieutenant Colonel Ryan Yee. Thanks for coming on the program, sir. How are you doing today? Feeling good. Waking up. Feeling strong. Great, great. So I attended this year's TIME conference, a great coming together of mid-level NCOs, primarily tech sergeants, that's put on by the Massachusetts Air National Guard. And while there, I found myself in a familiar place. It was the second time that I got to witness your presentation on emotional intelligence, a topic I wouldn't think would be interesting and riveting, but nonetheless, on my second time attending, it was even more engaging than the first time. And I thought, there's a sign here. I need to get you on the Chevron's podcast <laughs> <laughs> so that we can share this great information with the masses. So with that said, uh, the first thing I want to ask you has nothing to do with the topic, but more about you. Can you tell me about yourself and what's your story, sir? Sure. Uh, let's see. I've been in for 16 years, uh, mm -hmm. mostly reserve and guard duty uh, as a chaplain. And yeah, but my, I originally grew up in Ohio, so mm -hmm. I'm a big Cleveland guy, depressed sports fan, uh, always. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians are terrible this year. but uh, and I, I know you didn't mention the Browns, though. Yeah, well, they're going to depress me regardless. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, it's a, a, a assumption that will happen, you sure, know, when you're hopeful, sure. but then you're like, oh, man, it's the Browns again. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, uh, my family is from South Korea. You know, they mm -hmm. emigrated uh, in the late 70s. And uh, until they came here to live the American dream, you know, and, you know, and it's and my dad was a big believer in the opportunity uh, of America and mm -hmm. to work hard. And so he brought my mom here. My brothers and I were born here. I'm the oldest of three boys. And, you know, but eventually I made myself way to Boston uh, after college. I was up at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. uh, I came down to come to go to seminary and uh, I decided to stay in Boston ever since. So I was a pastor to church. Uh, for a number of years, and then uh, I worked at Brigham and Women's Hospital for a year as a hospital chaplain. That was kind of mind-blowing. And then uh, the last four years, before I came to the 102nd, I was working as a chaplain at Harvard Business School, which is, again, a very unique yeah. uh, group of people to work with. And so uh, for the past nine months, I've been deployed in garrison at the 102nd and uh, really enjoy it, love it. Uh, here for another year and hopefully continuing on for many years to come. And... Uh, and I'm married uh, for about 11 years uh, and have a little dog named Zoe. So uh, that's a little bit about me. Fantastic, sir. Thank you. Uh, so moving on to the topic at hand here, uh, what can you tell me about emotional intelligence? Where do we start in understanding this concept? Wow. Yeah, I think, you know, as a chaplain, a lot of people can, you know, just don't know what to do with us sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're religious, then it's like, oh, okay, it makes sense. If you're not, or maybe you don't want to be religious anymore, you're just like, I don't know what to do with this person, you know, <laughs> or I'll avoid them, you know. And uh, I totally understand that as well. Uh, I grew up in the church, and I wasn't a huge fan of it, and then kind of found my, found my journey with God a little later on in life. But I think, you know, why emotional intelligence, I think, is become important for me as, as a person, but also as a chaplain, is that, you know, as chaplains, we obviously have uh, a religious lane uh, a spiritual lane though is becoming more and more important spirituality as i should at the time conference is a bigger mm -hmm. concept right sure. like just like 
being a human being or your physical part of who you are. That's kind of more of a general kind of all-encompassing thing. And I think spirituality, I think everyone actually is spiritual, you know, whether they believe in God or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, spirituality has to do with meaning and purpose and identity. And these are things that I think in our society we are struggling through, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, statistics show that we're more and more lonely as a country, probably the loneliest country in the world, even though the w- we're the wealthiest and most powerful. Uh, and we're more and more disconnected from each other. Uh, there was a statistic I read that uh, 40% of people say they don't have any meaningful relationships, which like blows my mm-hmm. mind, but also doesn't surprise me as we kind of think Social media relationships fulfill real relationships, which we know we d- they don't. And so, you and know, I'm sure the, the pandemic didn't help. Oh, that, yeah. No, you know? totally. No, you're right. You're a right. A few years of being disconnected physically, you know, more than ever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially my wife's a teacher and oh. seeing the ramifications for little ones and sure. their hardships of connecting with people and being mm-hmm. alone was definitely clear especially when they came back and trying to readjust. Right. So, yeah, so in this all-encompassing world of spirituality, you know, uh, one of my hopes and desires is for airmen and their families to be, in my view, the best versions of who they want to be, you know. Uh, and I think everyone always has this ideal version of who they should be or they want to be, but oftentimes we fail at that. And so the question is, how do we get there, right? And I think one of the ways I've found through uh, research through data, which I think is important. You know, again, I'm a man of faith, but I think data and research is important. And one of the ways we kind of close the gap between where we're at and who we want to be uh, is through emotional intelligence, actually. You know, and the research has shown in the last three decades how critical it is for human improvement, uh, happiness, to relationship success. And, you know, it's really still a relatively new idea in the military, in our culture even. It's a huge thing in the, in the business world. Again, I said I was at HBS, and it's just, it was, uh, they did a podcast recently at uh, the Harvard Business Review, and emotional intelligence was one of the four most important business ideas in the last 25 years. And so it's ingrained in there. The top companies, Fortune 500, utilize it all the time and we haven't even really touched it in the military and i think we're we're missing out if we also say people are our most important commodity in the military so that's kind of a kind of what's led me to kind of invest more into this because i think it impacts all of us whether you're religious or not right right yeah so um what 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 is the basis for emotional intelligence when we talk about that as a as a concept um that usually how we break it down, there's steps or there's there's aspects of, of things, puzzle pieces that kind of bring it all together. Uh, what What is emotional intelligence if there were, you know, pieces, if you could break it down? Yeah, totally. I mean, emotional intelligence, I guess I should have said it earlier, is just the, the ability, the intelligence, the, uh, the skill set to mm-hmm. uh, understand your emotions, to... Uh, manage your emotions, and then to influence others' emotions as well. And so, uh, and, to, and doing that, you, you're, you're able to bring actually what you want, what you want for yourself, what you might want in your relationship. Uh, this is a, a huge tool that can be powerful. And when you say it's really composed of four main big ideas, and that is emotional intelligence is composed of first self-awareness, the idea mm-hmm. that, hey, I, 
what am I feeling? What's going on inside of me? Self-awareness, right? The second is, okay, now I know self-awareness. Uh, how do I manage these emotions? Okay, I'm angry. Now what do I do about it, you know? Should I throw a lamp across the room? Probably not, you know? But sometimes we react in ways that we don't even think. Uh, oftentimes when we're feeling stressed or scared or angry, our emotions take over, the rational part of our brain shuts off, and we do things that maybe we learned as a child, or and we do things we don't really want to do, you know? And so that leads to self-management, right? So the self-awareness is one part mm-hmm. of emotional intelligence. The second part is self-management and how we manage our own emotions. Kind of like self-control. You yeah, know, I mean, that's to, one thing. Yeah, you know, Maybe that's not the right way. And, and kind of based on past experience of, you know, that didn't work last time. I've got to react differently this yeah. time. And know? that's the hope, right? And right. that requires, again, another feedback loop of self-awareness, being mm-hmm. like, okay, the problem is that we continue to do the same things we don't want to do and don't do anything to change it. And that's what definition of insanity, right? You're hoping right. something else <laughs> yeah. will happen. Uh, because it's true that it's hard work. And the emotional intelligence is hard work. I mean, but the nice thing is, and why I care about it, is that it's work that you can actually change. It's, it's things that you can increase your emotional quotient, we call it. Uh, you can't, as I shared in the kind time comp, you can't actually increase your intelligent quotient. You can get smarter and know more things, but you can't increase your emotional uh, intelligent quotient. You can increase uh, your emotional intelligence, and that's something I would argue. If we think about all the time and money and effort we put into things, I would say that's probably one of the most bang for the bucks things you can do. But it's hard because you have to deal with things you don't want to deal with. For example, your anxiety, your fears, um, and so yeah, I think you're right on with that. So. So that's two parts of it, self-awareness, self-management. Then that leads to social awareness, right? That's the third part. Like, what's going on around me? Quote, unquote, what's going on in the room, you know? Even as I talk to you, you know, how's Tim, what's Tim kind of emoting, you know? I'm, I'm not, I, I, I need to be aware of that as sure. uh, an emotional intelligence. Reading the room. Reading the room, exactly. Yeah. And that's really important, right? Because you can think you're awesome and uh, you know what you're doing on your own capacity but to understand other people's you know uh emotions in a room or in a meeting i think is critical as well or in your family room or in a dinner table right Right, (laughs) things like that Uh, and that then leads to relationship management right now that you kind of hopefully know a little bit more through communication through intuition okay what do i how do i uh, influence and manage this relationship, you know, uh, what do I need to say? What do I need to do? What do we need to do? And so, uh, those are four big parts of kind of emotional intelligence. And I think, uh, those four are again, hard to work on. Some are, some areas you'll be better in than others. But, um, again, the key and the good news is that all these things you can get better on. So, so, um, one of the buzzwords that I hear thrown around in uh, at least, no, I don't want to say buzzwords, but one of the philosophies that I think has been renewed a little bit, um, and it's kind of an ancient philosophy, is stoicism. And I hear stoicism thrown around a lot these days in the enlisted force. It's it's a lot um, a concept that uh, a lot of the, the senior enlisted leadership in the Air Force has been using. Um, and I think it's great. Sounds very similar you know, it's being, you know, being aware of, of where you are and being aware of your emotions. And is there any correlation to, you know, emotional intelligence and stoicism? It seems like they're kind of related concepts. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting you bring that actually up, uh, Tim, because uh, I haven't really heard about that till I joined, I came on full time. Again, this is my first year being full time sure. in the military ever. So, uh, and so a couple of people were talking about stoicism. A lot of sounds like influence from some kind of like those 
podcast type of uh, special operator type people. Uh, and I actually had someone after the time conference say like, hey, like I'm kind of like enjoying stoicism, the philosophy of stoicism. Yeah. But then like how does that fit in with emotional intelligence? Because he was seeing it as actually opposites, right? Because stoicism really? is more, I guess his definition was like, mm-hmm. you know, it's all rational and, you know, you kind of detach from your emotions. But then what do you do about being emotional intelligent and seeing how how important it is and sure. how proven the data shows it influences your success right. uh, in the work and in your family and friendships. So, uh, you know, again, I wouldn't say I'm an expert on stoicism, but what I know of it, uh, I think I was telling him that the importance about emotional intelligence is that it's not about being emotional, right? You can be very right. emotional. You can be very tied into your emotions, right. but not be very intelligent about your emotions, right? Right, right. <laughs> how do you use them? And, yeah, and, how do you utilize them? And how, what's going on underneath, you It's know? probably like anything else, any other skill, you've got to exercise it to, oh, yeah, to, to get good at it. 100%. You know? And that's what I was telling uh, this airman, that uh, where I see the overlap between stoicism mm-hmm. and emotional intelligence is for that I believe your emotions are so critical. I was sharing the time conference. Your emotions, again, I grew up in a Korean family. Uh, again, if you grew up, I think everyone, you know, human history, you know, again, uh, has dealt with, you know, physical needs and trying to survive, you know, uh, past generations. Again, we're in a very blessed time where the poverty levels have gone down huge amounts in the last 50 years. Uh, anyways, that means that, um, that means that, uh, that the, thing, that the struggles that our families are dealing with or we're dealing with is less about, you know, how much food we have on the table uh, and more with kind of understanding and the importance of emotions, actually. Because mm-hmm. I think emotions represent what's going on underneath, you know. Right. So I grew up in a Korean family. It's just like, and my dad grew up dirt poor in Korea. And so for him, like emotions, like, I don't got time for emotions, right? I got to right. put food on the table, right? Well, we got time for emotions now, but then what do we? What do you do when you never learn from your family, your parents, how to deal with your emotions, right? Uh, most people shut them down. Most people medicate emotions, you know, good or bad. And so I, uh, I think why emotions are so important because they reveal deep truths that you're experiencing, realities, and even core beliefs underneath, you know. And so when we ignore our emotions, it's to our detriment. We're not listening to authentically what's going on, who we're who we are actually. And so that's why going back to your original question is I think the overlap is being aware that emotions are critical about who you are as a human being and stoicism in the analysis in the kind of, I guess, stoic, still being stoic about what is going on. And I want, I was telling the same, I want you to analyze with all your abilities and uh, authenticity. What are you feeling? Why are you feeling? And what are you going to do about it? So applying stoicism to emotional intelligence, I think there's the overlap. So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea either. So I'm just, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, 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 you know, I, I hear uh, both concepts talked about a lot. And I think they're both important in, you know, whatever side of the fence, you know, blend the two. Right, right. You know, right, if right. that if that works for you. Uh, so in terms of controlling your emotions and, and, and using it as a skill or learning the skill of, of managing your own emotions, uh, why does this all matter? What's, what's the, you know, what do you get out of this ultimately? Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know anyone who lives their life to be more unhappy, you know, and right. to be more miserable, you know. Uh, some people might have, like, given up, but that's not what they ultimately hope and want. And so, I, I mean, I really again, believe that, you know, there are a number of things that really can bring a lot of joy and success. Like, you know, one of my other 
presentations I do is about the art of happiness and it's about the science and research on happiness and how people are truly happy. Right. And, uh, you know, there's really big, four big components. I won't go into detail, but one of them is, uh, uh, is about your relationship with family, your relationship with friendships, having meaningful work. And the last one is having a worldview, whether it's religious or not. Those four mm-hmm. components really influence your true happiness. And so uh, I think why emotional intelligence is so important is because it's actually something because I think everyone wants to be happy but sometimes and more successful but like we don't know exactly sometimes how to do it and uh and don't have anyone guiding us and not sure who to trust right I think we live in a culture now that's less about what's truthful but it's more about who you trust and from there you'll kind of accept what's true and I think that why emotional intelligence is key is because I think that's one of the few things I've found that has been trustworthy where that if you invest in a and you do this and apply it, like the result will be good things, you know? Like there's not many things in my my view that you can say like if you do this and follow it as best as you can, that this will produce good things, you know? And I think emotional intelligence to me is one of those low-hanging fruits in our lives that sure. we're like, hey, like, okay, like you can try to win the lottery or get a doctorate degree or something. That's kind of harder versus like, hey, like maybe if you spend some time doing emotional like a, uh, I, I said in the time conference like every night like just writing down your emotions how did you feel during that day like that investment of time is both low uh, and can be so impactful for your relationships right. and for your own self uh, awareness and your healing you know and so I just feel like for bang for the buck and for what the data has shown emotional intelligence uh, is just so critical for success personal as well as professional success. So. Well, especially too in the eyes of your your contemporaries and your family members and oh, you know, uh he really has it together. He, you know, he never gets rattled when, you know, when the stuff hits the fan, you know, he he keeps it together and people look up to that kind of skill or looks up, look up to that kind of quality. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. Um in the corporate world, you mentioned uh, it was one of the it was one of the four top factors. Right, top business you ideas know, in the wh- last four. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I mean, uh, corporations and well, companies and yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think most of uh, I mean, last I guess two hundred years or I guess last really with the advent of the enlightenment and the importance of knowledge and intelligence, uh, people thought, hey, like. To be successful, it's all about how smart you are, right? I mean, a lot of us think that even now, right? Like how smart you are, what degree you got necessarily equates to your success, right? And uh, and they found, again, about 30 years ago, as they started doing research, that, that wasn't the case. Okay, yeah, it helps that you're smart, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. that always helps, right? Or you're competent, right? But there became more uh, awareness that how that was just one part of your success. The bigger part was, again, how you work with people, how you manage what you're feeling. And, you know, uh, I gave the example about Robert Oppenheimer, right? Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, great author, wrote a book called Outliers Mm -hmm. about all these amazing people who are outliers of success. Uh, He has some really interesting ideas. One of them is like, you know, and I'm not sure how much I believe in it, but the idea is like if you do 10,000 hours on something, you'll be an expert, you know, whether it's piano or whatever. That's kind of the magic number. Anyways, in one of his chapters, he talks about Robert Oppenheimer, the creator Mm -hmm. of the atomic bomb, father of the atomic bomb. And again, uh, he's a genius, but he gathered all these people, other geniuses, to work on this 
brand new technology that, you know, if you watch the movie Oppenheimer, they were afraid that if they did this, it might actually destroy the world, right? It might just light the atmosphere on fire and everyone would die from that uh, atomic bomb, you know? And so, uh, so his skill in the book uh, and in general wasn't just his, emotion, uh, his, his intel- intelligence, which is extremely high, but really his emotional intelligence in gathering people, convincing all these scientists to move to New Mexico, of all places, and then... We're managing the relationships between the teams, you know, uh, the people, the big egos, as well as managing the military brass who wanted it, the atomic bomb now, now, now. They spent $2 billion, you know, back in the 50, uh, 40s for that, you know. And so he was managing all these things, managing his own emotions, his marriage, uh, what he was feeling, the stress, all these factors. If you think about it, yeah, okay, he's a really smart guy, but this success, was it really just how smart he was? Like, there were smarter guys there. Definitely, you know, uh, but really, again, his emotional intelligence, which he kind of learned a lot in the book uh, from Malcolm Gladwell, he learned a lot from his mother about the importance of emotional intelligence. And that was one of the reasons he was chosen to be the lead on this whole project of because of his ability to uh, work with people and lead a team. So, um, so yeah, that's why I think. Uh, that's really a good example of how businesses are seeing. Again, think, even thinking about your own life, you know, you've been in the right. military for a while, and right. uh, I've been for a little bit, I know you're retired, and, you know, think about the best moments and the times of success, even here w- w- in, the, in, in the PA office, you know, working with people who just get it and work with you and are teachable uh, and want to work with you versus those who are emotionally unintelligent, right? They don't know what they're feeling. They're, they're dealing with lots of stress at home and they don't know how to manage it. it. Just, you know, all that stuff comes in here and you wish you could separate them, but you can't, you know, we're human beings, you know, all, we were all composed of all these factors. And so, uh, so yeah, I just think when you think about your own life and what, what makes your own work experience, like you'd want to work with people who are healthier. You want to work with people who are emotionally intelligent, you know, uh, whether we use that term or not, you know, people who are just, you know, you want to be around. You're like, who doesn't want to be around people like that? You know? <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah. And uh, that shows that those type of teams and people are more successful in producing products and producing their goals versus just having a bunch of all-star really smart people but they don't like each other they don't know how to resolve conflict they don't know how to communicate with each other uh they uh, don't do as well so well and, and listening to you talk I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about you know it must enhance other aspects of your life as well if you're you're strong in the emotional intelligence area that would build confidence i would imagine you know, and, and build confidence in your team members around you, you know, uh, knowing that, that you've got it together. And, uh, so where do we learn these skills? You know, what's, you know, are are these, uh, can you read a book and and be emotionally intelligent, right? Right. You know, just by reading a book or or is it something that you, uh, you find a mentor for, or is it a combination? Right. No, I think that's the kind of the, the big question, right? Like, okay. And I think that's one of the things that I was, that, the time conference, you know, I was presenting an overview of emotional intelligence, but again, I'm just like, it's not enough just to know, right? I guess right. knowing is half the battle kind of, right. like, what do you do with it? Right. And I think we live in a society that more and more is like knowledge. Everyone assumes if you know more, then you'll be successful. But it's again with the application of knowledge, right. you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I think you just hit the nail on the head because uh, a book can help, right? Uh, podcasts or uh, hearing about this can help, mm-hmm. but that's not enough, right? You can listen to 
a lot of stuff on healthy eating, you know, right. or exercise. But you, you know? got to apply it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I can yeah, read yeah. like the best plan of how to like lose weight, you know. But if you don't do it, what's the point? And so that's why I think, uh, like, as you said, about relationships, you know, whether it's a mentor or friendships or families or coworkers that you can lean on. You know, I said in the time conference uh, to look at those relationships that you see emotional intelligence and to invite them into your life to help you, right? And that's a hard thing. More and more, I realize people don't want to ask for help. You know, it's really, really hard. You know, I do a lot of relationship counseling, marriage counseling, and I really believe the number one reason why marriages fail is because people don't want to ask for help until it's too late, you know? And, uh, and I think that's the case not just for marriage, but individuals, you know? We just, we want to figure it out on our own. And I think with emotional intelligence, we really need help, right? Like, just like, you know, I struggled with weight for most of my life, like, uh, I can read a lot and I have read a lot, but I really need help, you know, mm -hmm. and I actually just hired like a coach to help me, a physical fitness sure. coach, because I need some coaching, I need some encouragement. And I think that is really the place to start to be like, hey, like, who can I reach out to that I look up to who has some good emotional intelligence? Again, no one's perfect, but let's say there's a chief, let's say there's uh, a coworker that is just really self-aware and to start asking those questions and inviting that help, you know. Again, I think right. a book, is really helpful. Like the basic book I, I shared there is called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I really do think it's about inviting more relationships and people to look at you and being willing to listen. You know, that's the hard part. Like no one wants to hear like, hey, like Ryan, like, you know, sometimes you're socially unaware that like you talk too long, you know, like, <laughs> oh, it's like, uh, like no one wants to hear that, you know? And so, but that's well, except feedback. our audience. <laughs> well, we'll see afterwards. But yeah, just that's uh, like that kind of, Feedback is really helpful and hard, though, to ask for. And so I do think uh, inviting diff various levels of relationships. Mm -hmm. Again, I think the easiest thing would be to get a coach. You know, again, the Air Force, uh, I think more of the DOD, is ha they have these certified coaches, actually. Oh, sure. Yeah, and just like emotional intelligence is becoming a bigger deal in the military, coaching is becoming a bigger deal in the military. Again, very... Uh, successful in the business world, you know, every CEO has an executive coach and all that stuff. And we're starting to finally do that in the military. And so I would say, uh, if you're listening, and you're really interested, there's again, just the Google Air Force certified coaches or DOD certified coaches, and it's free for military members. Mm -hmm. And just meet with someone and just say, like, hey, I want to be more emotionally intelligent. And they're not going to be experts, they're there more to coach you and help you think through how you can do that. So I would say that's actually the, probably the best first next step mm. to, to do that. And I meet with a coach as well. I meet with this woman uh, out in uh, Ohio every other week to help me with different personal, professional issues. So, again, I think it's all about just getting and asking for help, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And in terms of mentorship, uh, nothing says you, can, you can't have more than one mentor. No, oh, that's right. And, that's you right. know, you have a mentor for, you know, different aspects of your life and your professional career. And if you find somebody who, who fits the bill for emotional intelligence – Hitch, hitch your wagon on onto them, you know? <laughs> oh, totally, totally, you know? I, uh, it, and it's hard to find some yeah. people because, I mean, all of us grew up in families, uh, and some grew up in really tough families, and some uh, grew up in some more loving families, but not perfect. And, again, we learn our emotional intelligence uh, habits at a young age. And we, for most people, they need to unlearn some of those things, you know? Sure. So, yeah. Sure. You kind of unload some of the baggage. Oh, yeah, totally. That's yeah. where I think counseling helps, too. We didn't, we didn't say that, yeah. but I think counseling is important. Counseling is looking at the past and how that influences you now. Coaching is more about high, looking at the future and where you want right. to go. I think both are important, you know? Uh, I just met with an airman yesterday, and we were talking about that, and he, um, and he realized – 
listening to a lot of these podcasts about stoicism stuff like these guys have thankfully influenced him to be realized hey like i need to get some i need to deal with this trauma so i need to deal with the past to be a better uh human being you know to be more uh uh, successful, you know, and I'm glad that he said that, you know, and realizing that and I hope more people do as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Great. Okay. So, uh, we, we've talked about mentorship and, and, uh, feedback and that type of thing. Um, uh, during your presentation, you speak of the 360 interview. What can you tell me about that? Yeah. So this is a, a, another tool, uh, again, uh, within the bigger realm of emotional intelligence. And, you know, uh, it's again, very prevalent in the business world. It's somewhat required uh, a lot of fortune 500 companies because the main point of it, it's a developmental tool to bring self-awareness and social awareness. And so how I got it done when I was a pastor at a church, uh, again, our staff was very small, so it's supposed to be anonymous. So I kind of knew, uh, you kind of know who's going to respond, but the idea is you, create a survey, usually online, and it covers different categories, uh, you know, my communication skills or personality or team skills, whatever, and a bunch of questions within those domains. And uh, this uh, survey is sent to three groups of people. The first is your supervisor, if there's one or more, <laughs> and, you know, they kind of rate you, you know, from one to five or one to seven sure. scale with some comments. Then it's sent to your peers, uh, and then they input, how they feel and think about you. And then it's sent to your supervisees, the people that you lead and manage. And from those three groups of people, you get a full 360 view of how people experience you, at least in the workplace, you know. And uh, it, it can be really encouraging because you're realizing, oh, there's a lot of good things I'm doing, uh, things that uh, I'm trying to do. People get it. But it also brings really to reality the things that you hope people didn't realize about you, sure. which is your weaknesses and your insecurities that, you know, either they, you realize from people's comments, they know those things, which are like, you know, kind of embarrassing, or you get from the feedback things that you didn't realize that uh, you never heard before that you need to work on. And so that's why it can be somewhat of a uh, punch in the stomach, you know, because right. it kind of hits your ego. And that's why a lot of people don't want to do 360s. They don't want to get that kind of honest feedback, you know. Uh, but it's really helpful and I would also say empowering, to, especially to your supervisees who've never had a voice. Especially in the military, everything's right. top down. We sure. don't really know exactly how our peers feel about us. And oftentimes we don't know how our supervisees uh, feel about us. So a 360 allows that type of feedback. And in the hopes... Uh, from that awareness, you can start making changes in how you interact with people, right? So uh, the 360 is a valuable tool. It was helpful for me. Uh, like, for example, someone pointed out uh, that I can be flaky, you know, and I knew I'd do that, but I didn't want other people to know that. Oh, sure. Uh, but they did. And I was like, okay, like, I really need to work on being a man of my word and saying, hey, I'll be here, I'll do this, and to do it. And so uh, it leads to hopefully self-correction, you know? Um, sure. So, yeah, the 360 is really helpful. We're starting to do it at the 102nd uh, ISR group. But I really hope it's done more throughout the whole 102nd intelligence wing, the mass guard, because I think it'll make only better leaders, right? Like, I, I can't imagine how this would hurt. I mean, it hurt your ego, but it'll yeah. only make you better uh, in terms of realizing, hey, this is how people are experiencing you as a person, as a leader. Uh, and, you know, because we don't want toxic leaders right we don't want unhealthy right. leaders you know that the number one reason people leave their jobs is not because of money it's because their bosses are terrible you know and right. we already and I, have a retention I would, issue i would imagine that nobody takes a position of leadership with the intention of being toxic 
Right, right, right. You know, that's, there's <laughs> something that just happens. Right. And it happens when, you know, you're not keeping your, your foot on the gas in terms of being a good leader, you know, right. bad habits and, and things that you maybe don't see. Like you mentioned, you know, this 360 interview, you know, it could allude to things or it could, uh, d- you know, uncover things that you didn't realize about yourself that you do. Yeah. Well, one of the interesting things uh, in this initial pilot we just finished uh, in the past month is that, un- and unsurprising to me, that uh, people also self-rate themselves. I should have said that. You know, they, rate, they also take their own ass- assessment. Uh, and their supervisor ratings are always the same or higher than their own rating, but the supervisees always rate them lower <laughs> than they think they are, wow. you know, uh, most often, not yeah, always. Right. right. And it, it definitely the people who get that, like, you know, it's kind of like a wake up call, like, Hey, yeah. like you're doing great. And you can say like, Oh, everyone just doesn't like me cause I'm the leader. I'm the boss. No one likes the boss. But you know, the question is how, like, is this something you need to really consider that you're something you're doing again, the comments flesh out more of what the, he or she isn't it is doing. But, uh, but you're right. No one comes in thinking they're a bad leader, right? Uh, but I realize one of the reasons that I, why I really want to try to advance emotional intelligence and the, the 360 idea to the mid-level leader, whether tech sergeant up or lieutenant and up, is because a lot of these leadership habits are you know, formed early on, you know? Right. Uh, Even before the military experience starts. Oh, totally. Right? And they see it from yeah. older leaders, you know? Uh, and... Um, and again, that's a crapshoot whether they're good or bad, you know. And so, yeah, I think that's why we can, we need to work on now developing better leaders for the future. So, so would you say uh, would it be better for someone to just voluntarily go? You know, I'm going to find one of these uh, 360 uh, interviews and and run it on myself, or do you think it would be helpful for a unit to maybe implement or a section implement? Would it be? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm thinking in terms of some people may be prepared for this and some people might not be, right. you know, do you want people to kind of come in and do it themselves? Because right. that would represent their, their, maybe their ego is strong enough to handle. The right, right. Right. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, right now at the one Oh second, uh, group, ISR group, it's all voluntary, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think later on it will be a part of people's development sure. and again, still voluntary. Um, I would say that there are ways to do it individually, you know, where you have to maybe reach out to an organization to help you yep. do that. Again, I think the key thing is through the unit, right? Sure. And that's why I think I'd love to see more chaplains and chaplain corps enlisted members kind of lead this initiative because everyone's already busy. Uh, the nice thing about being a chaplain is that uh, there's a lot of freedom, you know, to do yeah. and try new things, especially thankfully at the 102nd. And so I, I think I'd love to see more at the unit because, you know, you, you feel – because it is a scary thing to put yourself out there and have people kind of analyze you, right? Right. But if we can reduce some of that fear by doing something in-house, let's say you know, let's say you do one, right? And I'm meeting with you, and we're looking through your results together, you know? I think you'll feel a little more comfortable uh, versus, you know, some random person you don't know. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Right. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I think it'd be cool to see more units do that. That's why I really want to pilot it and make it successful at the 102nd group and and, and that the data and the results are good to kind of bring it out to the whole intelligence wing, you know? Um, so it will take time. Uh, I don't know if there are other initiatives like this throughout the whole Guard or even the active duty world uh, or even at NGB, but I just feel like I can't see why it would be 
a bad thing, right? So. Well, this could be a benchmark for the Air National Guard. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, you, you know? know. Your yeah. phone might start ringing off the hook after yeah, this. Yeah, maybe, you know. Podcast airs. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's one of the fascinating things I was sharing with at the time conference, right? right. And as you as a uh, as a as a high enlisted, you know, uh, leader um, uh, back in the day and now kind of leading the PA office, like, you know, the more you're supervising and leading people, I really truly believe it's less becomes depending on your industry and AFSC, it becomes less about your knowledge base, but more about who you are and how you lead and how you take care of people and how you influence people. Right. And a lot of that comes from who you are. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't want to deal with that because it's not like, it's like too soft, right. It's not like as concrete, but that's why I think, um, I think I like to frame a lot of these conversations around human improvement, human performance, impr- human performance skills improvement. You know, and I think that's what I'm hoping to see more of in our airmen and in our leaders, right? Because again, I mean, the people who come to me, uh, most of them are complaining about mid-level leadership, you know, which yeah. makes sense because they're learning how to be leaders, right? right. My question is, how do we make them better so that as a tech or as a master or as a first lieutenant, so that when they become you know, higher up, you know, that they are actually, you know, even better than, you know. Yeah, like yeah. train them how to swim before they jump in the pool. Oh, totally, totally, you know? you know. And I think the time conference is one of the ways that happens. But, yeah, as I look across the military, it's just not as prevalent, and I think we can do more uh, and not have to spend as much money as everyone thinks we need to, right? Sure, so, sure. Yeah. So uh, if the 360 uh, interview is uh, – looking internally and, and, and examining your own ego and your skill set in the emotional intelligence world. Uh, let me ask you, how, how has emotional intelligence affected you in your personal life and professional <laughs> life? Yeah, you know, again, I think that's one of the interesting things about, for example, one of the domains of self-awareness, right? There was a study done at Harvard Business uh, School uh, around just self-awareness. Yeah. And when you ask this group of people, or I, I think ask a group of people in the study, how many people think they're self-aware? 95% said they're, oh, I'm self-aware, yeah. right? But when you start doing the questions and data collection and analyzing, um, one of the ways they do it is, for example, let's say, okay, let's let's test your self-awareness, Tim. We'd send you a survey, right? But then we'd say, give us four more names, and we'll send it to them and see what they think about your self-awareness, right? Uh And so, obviously, if there's a mismatch, you know, then you're not as self-aware as you think you are. Right. So anyway, so 95% of people say they are self-aware. The result of this survey was that only 15% of people were truly self-aware, right? And, and so again, this, this is a kind of funny idea that we always think we're more than we actually are. And I think this area and emotional intelligence is one of them, you know? And I would probably be one of those people too, being like, yeah, I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally emotionally intelligent, you know? Or at least I'm more emotionally intelligent than that person, right? Every right. <laughs> right. I see this all the time. And I think, like, for me, like, you know, I know I feel, like, pretty confident, you know, in terms of my ability to connect with people, you know? I, I enjoy that. But, uh, but, yeah, when I did the 360, when uh, this past year, uh, as I got trained in emotional intelligence, we had to do emotional intelligence assessment. My, my scores, you know, were kind of, uh, like, average, to be honest, you know. And I was like, oh, wow, like, there's still a lot of ways I need to grow. Um, for example, one of the areas is around um, self-management, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and this seems like such a simple idea. But, yeah, like, I don't really sleep on time, you know. Like, I always stay up later than I should, and then I don't get a full night's sleep. And, you know, that seems like everyone's story, but I just realized, like, that's, like, emotional, it's un- under the umbrella of emotional intelligence. Like, if I know that I'm happier and healthier and I actually lose weight better if I sleep, <laughs> but I'm not doing that and I wake up groggy and I'm not changing that, it's like, okay, like, there's a mismatch from, again, what I want 
from and from what I'm doing and to change it is actually quite easy, but I haven't done it, you know? Uh, one more better example actually is relationship management with my mm -hmm. wife, right? Like I think marriage, but also just deep friendships and deep sure. family, like they reveal, uh, again, that's why we need people in our lives. They reveal uh, the places we need to grow. Uh, and my wife has done that for me, an incredible gift of showing how terrible I can be. So, <laughs> and so, you know, I realize, um, you know, how, how reactive I can be with my wife when uh, she wants me to clean, you know? I use this example at the conference, but I don't really like cleaning at all. I feel like I'm, I'm better than most, yeah, yeah, <laughs> better right. than average for guys. But again, my wife has very high, love, uh, high standards of organization and cleanliness. And yeah, she would ask me to clean up. And just I would, and when she would, I just react really like nasty sometimes. Just like, <laughs> leave me alone, you know? Like, right. I'm watching football. Like, I don't, uh, in ways that like, made no sense right you're just like you know and sometimes we th there's things that trigger us right so my wife yeah. was triggering me uh uh and i was reacting so negatively even hurtfully to her and uh, i had to do some self-awareness some processing some self-talk uh, uh some journaling okay, okay why am i reacting in such a crazy way to my wife when she wants me to clean well one part is because she's asking me at the wrong time i right. can tell her that i don't i just yell at her uh and so the emotional intelligence and practicing some of these skills help me realize like what I hear from my wife isn't I need your help to clean. What I hear from my wife is you're not man enough. You're not right. a good husband. And she's not actually saying that, but for some reason, again, from my past things I need to deal in counseling, like I'm hearing that, right? It's your frame of reference. Yeah. Yeah. Else. And if I don't, deal with that right i believe in this phrase if you don't deal with pain and trauma if you, if you don't transform your pain and trauma it just gets transferred right and in that example i was transferring it to my wife you know that she was just like my dad actually saying hey you're not good enough you need to study harder you're you're too chubby things like that yeah. and my wife wasn't having that heart behind her what she was asking me to do. So emotional intelligence fleshed out a lot of the deeper layers of what was going on. Because ultimately, I want to have a happy relationship with my wife, you know? Like, I want to help her clean. I want her to have, I, I want us to have joy, right? So the thing that I want, you know, I can keep doing what I'm doing, you know, and just yell at her or be mad at her when she <laughs> asks me to clean. But if I want her to be happy, if I want, if I want me to be happy, why, uh, the question is, how do we do that? And I think yeah. through the tools of emotional intelligence, I realized, okay, these are the things I need to work on and realize what I hear from her isn't true, right? And so that's one example, so. That's great. Well, not not great for, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's great because it made me a better, better husband, right? Right, so, right. Ultimately, yeah. you know, it's a skill added. Yeah, yeah. You know? 100%. Yeah, yeah that's 100%. So. Great, great anecdote. Thank you. Uh, so uh, winding down, um, is there anything that we've left on the table that uh, you want to talk about? Anything uh, we didn't cover? I mean, I think it's, I think my the thing I leave is just kind of a word of encouragement, you know, for those sure. who are listening. That um, this is a tough topic, you know. Um, that yeah, there's a reason why a lot there's more mental health struggles in our culture. More relationships are breaking down. The loss of family, the loss of you know, the less and less people are are in relationships, right? Uh, Connectedness. Less, yeah, yeah. Lack we're not part of yeah. religious groups, churches. We're not part of any. Bowling clubs, softball clubs as much. But softball. we're right on that Facebook group yeah, yeah, that's that all Facebook, yeah. spewing all that negativity, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's why I got off Facebook. So, uh, uh, and uh, this is really hard stuff, you know. Yeah. I think 
again, one of the interesting data points about emotional intelligence is in the younger generations, the IQs have gone up. Again, that's formed at a very young age. They've gone up 25 points, but the emotional intelligence of our young people has gone down. And a lot of that's directly correlated to the loss of connection and how to interact with people. And so I guess my encouragement to those who are listening, whether you're old or young, right, Mm -hmm. is that um, this is hard, uh, but the hardest part is just taking that first step to get help, you know? So whether it's asking to reaching out to a chaplain, to a trusted friend, to uh, someone that you look up to, or even just reaching out to a coach or counselor, like that step of faith uh, is somewhat a huge step in success. So I want to encourage that all of you are listening that it's worth it. You know, it's worth it to take that step. And even though it's a little scary, um, it will co- create a better life for you. And that's my hope and prayer for everyone listening, everyone at the 102nd, to really have be the fulfill their of who they truly are. You sure. know, their joy, their happiness, their love, and um, but again, it, it can be scary to change things up, you know. But I do think, and I hope from our talk that people realize yeah. that this is worth it, and it can truly, profoundly change everything. And and you can't just go through the motions. You've got to let down the shields and right. absorb this information. Be ready to right. ready to learn, you right. know, and ready to learn a little bit about yourself that maybe you weren't, you won't be very happy with right. initially, but you gotta. You gotta allow that uh, that plant to to grow. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Fantastic. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, I appreciate it. Is there uh, anything else you want to throw? At? No, what, I appreciate this time. Could you? Uh, what was there was a book that you had mentioned on uh, emotional intelligence? I yeah, think. again, I think again. I just uh, want to reiterate the next that. step again. Great book. Uh, that's really fun, f- f- fundamental. Very short, small book called yeah. Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by okay. uh, Bradbury. Uh, again, it's on Amazon or wherever you need to find, or in the library, you know, or Great. Hoopla, whatever. But that's a good intro to this stuff. Again, you can probably listen to other podcasts yeah. uh, to kind of start learning about this stuff. But again, as we just said, learning is part of it, but then applying it, getting help is actually going to be the most transformative part. So fantastic. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on.